face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Ahoy, hoy. And I, I mean, I, by the way, Elliot, amazing job on the new uh, credit <laughs> sequence. For those listening on audio, he's added, added a lovely new credit sequence, all our names, though, and then featuring Willow at the end. Of no, course, it's his I'm... spontaneous appearances. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Which I thought I just, was more fitting. I, I'm just saying I might catch shit from doing this, but that's fine. <laughs> well, Dottie's been really quiet, so we don't... That's true, she's in the background of the park, really, so... Yeah, yeah. It's a spontaneous appearance, so there's okay. no guarantee. That's true. Yeah, she's, she's like a bonus content. Yeah. So we're here to talk about um, two more Dominion War episodes. We, we finally covered Way of the Warrior last time. And we're delving into a couple more from season four. First up, we've got Hippocratic Oath, which, as I shared on the Facebook group, apparently, according to some website or another, one of the top ten episodes that deserve revisiting. So we're revisiting it. I mean, it's a great episode, but ten? Well, ones that... I think it, I think we do that. It's sort of like ones that people normally don't have on the... Oh, I've got your ones which are underrated. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll go with that then. I will agree. I, I draw my um, amendment. And we're also looking at Starship Down. So, um, yeah, so those are the episodes with. Before we jump into Hippocratic Oath, though, it's worth pointing out that this is ones where they shifted it round in the transmission order. And this was meant to come straight after Way of the Warrior and then the Visitor. But they, they switched it over. And I think... I think you can, when you know that, Worf's storyline makes a lot of sense in this episode because it's the, it's all about him kind of finding his place and how he relates to Odo with him being a security officer and everything. So it, it does feel like a follow-up to the introduction of Worf. I don't... Yeah, yeah I think that would have played nicer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think... Well, it it's only one episode later, so... Yeah, the visit is very standalone, so... Yeah. It, yeah, I just think if you're trying to build a horse character and you've got this episode which then continues on the storyline without making him turn attention so you get other characters to sort of play a bit as well, yeah, just just seems interesting that that, that does... When I think of it like that, that pairs very nicely with Way of the War in a way. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I think it was intended that way, but I, I don't know whether it was a ratings thing like the new The It was a really strong episode, so maybe that's it because they were hoping to pick up more viewers with Way of the Warrior. And I think The Visit is a stronger episode than this one, so maybe that's why they switched them round to give them another... Another strong episode to keep people. So The Visit is the one with um, Jake. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, An Cisco Jake. dancing through time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's one of the I best mean, it's, episodes it's... Yeah. Star Trek. So this I one... don't know if I feel that strongly about it, but I do like it. Yeah, I think you'd get a lot of people who'd argue against you there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not sure best of all time. Anyway. Not the it's best, but it's definitely up there as well. He's strongest. It tends to do well when they do polls and things. I do think a good episode. But anyway, we're here to talk about yeah. Hippocratic Oath, which is, yeah, I like Hippocratic Oath. I do think it's a good episode. Not visitor, but there you go. Um, so we start off with Worf then. And I know the whole thing of the episode is, oh, he's got to learn to fit in with security and things like that. But... This is really inept because he's just there with this mugshot in the bar for everybody to see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think that's the best way of doing it. Well, um, I was just going to say this. This whole first scene is great because yeah, you've got Wolf doing that with his pad. It's it's Kira's entrance. I want to um, touch upon not in that way, but um, it was when she comes over and then she basically bitches at Quark and then goes, "Oh, by the way, could you make me a tea? Not so sweet this time." It's like, what, did you want extra spit in it instead? Because that's what you're going to get for that kind of attitude. She comes up and goes, yeah, uh, 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 quark, you little worm, or whatever she calls And it's like, we've touched upon this before a little bit on the show of how there's a subtle Ferengi racism on here, which they sort of do pay mention to. Quark kind of mentioned it in some episode. Yeah. I don't think it completely takes the sin off it. Now I look at how they treat Ferengis. It's like, 
it's not the most Starfleet. If you look at Next Generation as well, they're pretty well, she's not Starfleet. No, no, I know, but I'm saying in Next Generation, you see how Starfleet treats. Yeah. And this Starfleet Bajoran hybrid station kind of treating no, the same yeah, way. Yeah, they're, they're really bad request. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is, a, he, he is a bit of a worm, but it's like, consider you're meant to be seeing the best in him. Yeah. They don't really try that hard with him. But he's like a known criminal. It's just a case of catching it. <laughs> And yeah, this is Worf's home. This episode is like, you should be in jail, you should do this, and he can't wrap his head around the the thing that Odo's kind of thinking the bigger picture. And yeah. Quark's one of them people who is good to have on the street, as it were. He's almost like a, a they call him a CI, like a, a confidential informant. Like, he doesn't do it willingly. But Odo yeah, certainly he's gets... always up to something, so he's bringing in the top-level criminals to the yeah, table. <laughs> so having him there does help. Because did I? Um, I think I'm. Well, I made a comparison in previous episode about uh, one of the episodes feeling a little bit like Casablanca, and I think, I think I've heard the producer of Steve well, Jobs Nine saying, "Say it again." Oh no, no, we'll no, it wasn't that one. That's no, the one that's it... made... It that was, was a, the article. That's no, no. But I'm saying there was an that. episode. That wasn't the one I was mentioning, though. There was one of the <laughs> DS9 episodes we talked about. Where the warrior? Yeah, it was where the warrior. There was a storyline in there Garrett. somewhere. Garrett. That's in there. There you go. And I think the producers of DS9 even said that when they were setting up, they had this kind of feeling, this being a bit Casablanca-esque with a place where people can meet. And Quark very much feels like the the sort of dodgy bartender in there, who's it's kind of playing bets at the same time as uh, denying any gambling's taking. Yeah, and I do like what they do with Worf one, and sort of uh, just to skip ahead to his scene before we talk about Bashir and O'Brien, um, Worf does have that thing with Cisco, and it's he, you know he served as security for a long time, and he's finding it difficult to adjust, and that's what they really kind of hammer home in this one, isn't it? It's not the the subtlest character arc, and it's not no. the most significant really, but. I feel like it's good that they did pay lip service to it. Like, he's going to take a little bit of time to adjust. Yeah, he's had seven years of being chief of security. So, like, how does this stop being yeah. chief And also, for the audience who are familiar with Worf, it is repositioning him, going, look, you're not going to get Worf exactly how he was. He's got a different job. Yeah. You need to change your expectations, I'm going to say. And I think they did a really good job of highlighting how it was different on, you know, Starfleet security, Starship security and a space station where it is. It's not just Starfleet, it is a Bajoran space station. It was originally yeah. Kardashian and it's run, sort of co-run by the Federation. And you've got people from all over, multiple quadrants coming here. It's going to be a bit more true than your average just mm-hmm. criminal buster. You know, there's longer games, with, as, as you see here, Odo is playing. Yeah. So Bashir and O'Brien then, so the the A plot of the episode, really. You get some funny stuff at the beginning where it's O'Brien set up his workshop and Keiko's not happy about it. I can't see it. I don't get what a problem is. I'm with O'Brien on this. He set his workplace up. So he's in the bedroom where he's intimate with his wife to remind him of, of her while she's well, away. I mean, that's what, what, what Bashir says. But this is what I love <laughs> about this. Not only is it a classic bit and O'Brien romantic moment, but you've got um, like that thing which you do with your mates of like you sympathize, you see it their yeah. way, and then you completely rip a new asshole by taking the piss out of them, which is what he does. It's like, uh, so you're saying, um, you wish it was more like me. Well, I wish I was on this runabout with someone else as well. well it, I wasn't, wish it, it isn't, it's like, uh, no, I know this. Well, Brian's like, I just it was more like, and you can see that it was off to say more like you, and he goes, more like a man because <laughs> he can't admit that to be a. Yeah, it was just, and it was, and then he goes, um, so you wish you're, uh, oh, well, more like a man. And then Bashir goes, you yeah, know, oh, what, yeah. wish Keiko was a man. I wish I was in this bloody runabout with someone else. You know? yeah, and great. that's what you do with you, mate. It's a perfect, yeah. 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 I've and said it before, but I do think O'Brien and Bashir is one of the best portrayals of friendship between two men in agreed. any television. I just think it's so well observed and so well yeah. done. Yeah, like and, I and it's, it's... that then too are really good mates off screen. I would have thought And they're so, just yeah. doing that, ribbing that they do not. They sort I mean, of look at the script and go, right, how can we each other a bit here like we would normally? And I think also the idea that, like, uh, <laughs> the setting up their friendship before you have their friendship challenge is perfectly yeah. played. It's not overplayed. It's not over like, ah, by the way, you see, we're friends and, and we're going to disagree. Yeah. And, you know, they don't overdo it. It's a lovely little no, scene. It's just two blokes ribbing each other. Yeah. Exactly. Or one bloke ribbing the other 
And as you say, the Jem'Hadar obviously get involved and it does cause friction between them. But we get a lot of interesting stuff. Like, this is the first time we get the name Ketrasel White. Like, we knew from, what's the episode's name? The Abandoned, where they have the baby Jem'Hadar. We know that they need the drug, but we've not given it a name yet. And it's one of them where it's so much a part of DS9 going forward that you're like, yeah. oh, it's interesting to see that it's actually here, that we learn it. Now, I've been trying to work out where these two actually are because we've established that the wormhole is in your space in the Gamma Quadrant mm-hmm. and they're six weeks in your space. That's a good point. Yeah, they've obviously gotten a long way. So they've gone through a lot of Dominion space to get six weeks outside of Dominion well, space. I mean, it's always a bit tricky because the fact they came through the wormhole proves that certain is, for some reason, even years later, the Dominion doesn't have a heavy presence in that area, which uh, seems a bit yeah. bonkers if you think about yeah. it. But I think the Dominion have just said, right, Gamma Quadrant, that's our space. Screw you, hippies. So it's, uh, but yeah, the, the fact they're six weeks away. Maybe, yeah, may, maybe they're going, we're six weeks away from what we think is your space. We don't yeah. care what you think is your space. <laughs> We've demanded, so. Ah, yeah, because there might be yeah. like uh, we, actual we recordable, <laughs> there might actually be recordable boundaries where the presence of Dominion are. But the yeah. Dominion, as far as they're concerned, their space. It's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, again, they should, you think a little while in, they go, you know how we've got ships which can beast the hell out of the Federation? You ever considered positioning some of them around the wormhole? Yeah. You know thought. what? They've got a station. Why don't we build a station on our side? <laughs> yeah. They come through. We'll just blow them up. Because uh, you can sort of justify why they don't fire on DS9 because uh, Odo's there. And I think it's always implied, if not out and out, said that they want to charm him yeah, back into the fold. Yeah. They wouldn't. So, they, well, yeah. wouldn't be well, able. Well, say later, don't that I would give up the entire Alpha Quadrant for your home order. Yeah. Yeah. And, and effectively, they do in the end. Yeah. And <laughs> the Jemadar and the Vorta wouldn't be able to do it, like, physically. They, it's that ingrained that they can't harm a changeling that they wouldn't be able to fire the guns, and I don't think the Vorta would be able to give the order to do it if they were told to. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, can I just give a quick shout-out as well while I remember? Uh, in this episode, you've got Jeremy Roberts, who was kind enough to give him last year, uh, playing Miso Clan, the uh, uh, Jem'Hadar uh, soldier. So, quick hi to Jeremy there. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I get my Jem'Hadar names confused, so I do apologise, but yeah. Miso- oh, I, I was literally going to the other screen to check that I got the name right. As we it's first, second, third, fourth, and onwards. Yeah, true, true. All I can think of is, Miss, I think that she was going to die when I hear <laughs> that name. Yeah. And uh, the dilemma, obviously, of the episode then is Garanagar, the main Jemadar guy, somehow is cured of his addiction to Ketrasel White, and Bashir's got to find uh, a cure, and he's got five days, basically, before the rest of them start to get withdrawal and die. And that sets up the tension with O'Brien because O'Brien's attitude is, well, don't help them. You know, yeah. if they're asking for help, don't do it. But Bashir can't. Not he doesn't do quite it. come out and go as much as Kirk. Let them die. No, yeah. But... Well, I mean, but that, that's the thing which always playing with O'Brien. There is that military history. It's the thing yeah. with the Kardashians. Obviously, it's a direct thing. I always love the fact that he always turns out good generally by and large but he's got this what's on edge to him where you don't know what he's going to do as, as you can see play out here yeah yeah Bashir obviously has to do it because he's a doctor and you know where the episode gets its title the Hippocratic Earth and everything so it's a good it's a good way of finding tension between these two best friends pitting them on opposite sides of a moral thing it's also a fine line for a soldier as well because if this was in a war and a soldier got captured or found on the battlefield, they would be taken back and hit by the medics, which mm. presumably O'Brien wouldn't object to. But he's kind of got this leeway here where they're the prisoners they're of the being prisoners able to go, to well, I'm just to. escaping. But he is kind of in effect, you know, it is arguable that he's playing against the spirit of that. Because, mm. you know, as we found out, the guy was always going to let them go if they helped yeah. him out. You know, he did have a sense of honour, which... Uh, I would have almost liked to have seen at the end O'Brien struggling with them all because he seems to shrug it off and when the ship is still very yeah. cold. Yeah, it, like you say, it does tie into his attitude towards the Cardassians that we've seen time and time again. And he seems to have just transferred that wholesale to his attitude towards the Jemadar now. Yeah. His escape attempts are quite good. Like he makes a little gun at one point and then he, he makes stuff blow up and everything. So 
O'Brien is pretty much just trying to escape for the whole episode. He's become MacGyver for this episode. <laughs> I was just about to say that. The more interesting stuff comes out between Bashir and Garanagar, where we we find out kind of where he's coming from, and it's the first time we've humanized the Jemadar, albeit it's just one of them, but to this extent where like when he refused to kill the other guys, he says, well, that's what the Vorta tell us to do. We don't have to do what the Vorta tell us to do anymore. So we're seeing him breaking away much more than you might. It's almost comparable to the Borg Act individuals. The, the Jemadar are not a collective, but they are made genetically to obey the people above them. So it's... They also fed a slave. Exactly, yeah. yeah. On the people. And you've got also playing into this, like the drug withdrawals, and it's sort of questionable. They, they explore it a bit, but like, how much did these guys originally go? Oh, brilliant! We can be free of them. They, you know, you're right. They have used this, but when they face the reality of the uh, drug withdrawal, mm. obviously you see them questioning. You know, they you see them go against him. But I wonder if they cooperation by this day. You know, on a grander yeah. scheme. Yeah. Essentially, he's become like in their eyes probably their torturer by only giving him her, them a small amount and even having that where he shows them the uh, to Bashir just to prove a point going look this is what withdrawal looks like and <laughs> they're basically yeah. they're suffering for him to make a point absolutely and it, it's never fully discussed but it's sort of implied that he just has a natural immunity so this whole thing yeah. hide into nothing really yeah yeah and he, and all he did was the right thing, but it just it it, it did not it work was, out. Yeah, it, it, it is can't. a genetic mistake, really. Yeah, they yeah. He'd only kept yourself yeah. right until he crashed there for you. Yeah, uh, it it is an interesting one. Even if everything had worked out perfectly, you'd have always got a bad result because what happened to you could not have happened to them. Yeah. Um, back on the station, then there's a couple of good bits. Like there's a bit where they get a briefing on the Klingons. And they talk about Gowron, and they say, oh, well, what Gowron did was he said that they'd won and then went back to the homeworld. <laughs> That's not what it looked like last week. You know? <laughs> but there you go. So That's how Gowron spun it. To keep I love that. I love that. It, it seems so, you know, they, they've already shown in other episodes where the Klingons exaggerate their deed on times, yeah. and this seems like the ultimate end to that. I love the idea that he's gone back. What's he told them? Like, okay, so you made to prove that the the founders had taken over the Cardassian. But what's Gowron said? Like, oh, yeah, they had them, we killed them all. Yeah, and do you know, this is actually, there's a bit of a parallel, because for a while, that's what people were saying, that um, they needed to try and give um, uh, Putin, to try and give him, like, some perceived win, so that he could then yeah. go back and say, I want, like, yeah. he gave him an out, basically. But I think they tried, and he, he wasn't that quick to, to give up. No, but that was kind of the hyper one step. To be more like Gowron, just go back, say you've won, and that'll be fine. Yeah, and we'll go, oh, no, yeah, oh, no, he won, and Ukrainians just went away with their country. And, but he won, he definitely won. We'll go along with it. We're happy no, to do that. Just, just yes. And then we, Worf has a, an argument with Odo. I love the fact that Worf just sort of turns up and, yeah, you're nicked. And it's that, I mean, there is an interesting point. It was in the nitpicker's guide to the experience. Do you them books you used to get? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, now, the author of them books really didn't like Deep Space Nine, so I think they were overly harsh when nitpicking DS9, whereas with TNG, you could tell it came from a place of... But if you ever read the DS9 one, it's clearly hated the show. But anyway, uh, but one of the things he raised here, and he's kind of got a point, is like, we're supposed to side with Odo and go, no, you've ruined the investigation, Worf. You need to learn what the boundaries are. But realistically, Odo's saying, no, I'm not going to arrest the guy who's causing problems in my jurisdiction. I'm going to try and bring down a massive big operation that's outside of my jurisdiction. So to an extent, Worf is actually in the right. He's like, look, where's security on this station? Let's stop the problems. Odo's like, now I've got this big Machiavellian plan. And... But <laughs> if you look at it from Odo... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm still going. I was just going to say, was Odo going to go away for several months to bring down this cartel if they had to <laughs> this? I mean, the only argument I would make is that it's to Odo's point that this is a, a space day, not a starship. So in the starship, you go away from the problem mm. and, you know, you can just uh, nick individuals who've been on your ship doing the wrong thing. Yeah. 
Whereas if you're stuck in that region and someone is extorting that region, it does make an argument that there is his jurisdiction. And plus, I think the idea was probably for the guys to one stage come here to do their dealings. And then it gets yeah. them because they know that Quark's a safe place. So it's, but I do get your point. Yeah, I, mean, I, do, I, I am team Odo on this one, but I, I do think an interesting point to go. Is he, is he pushing it a little bit here? But anyway, um, back on the planet then, the, the Garanagar's talking about the founders comparing him to gods, which we kind of knew. Um, but it's good to have that like reinforced and everything. And this leads to the big row between O'Brien and Bashir. And what I love about it is it ends up with Bashir pulling rank on him, you know, saying, I order you to do this. And one of the things that's always come across really strong with O'Brien is how much he respects the chain of command. And there's almost been an unspoken thing in their relationship that O'Brien's the one with more expertise, more experience, more more knowledge, everything. But technically, Bashir outranks him. So for Bashir to actually play on that and do it, yeah. it's almost like a betrayal to some extent. It's It, it feels wrong him doing it. Even yeah. And he, so funnily enough, later on, later on, he kind of like goes against that and says, it's like, well, that's not really my style. Because that usually isn't. It's just that one situation yeah. which he did it. Because he needed to not... And so the later scene, I feel like, shows that it's not something he gets off that he likes doing. In that specific situation... Felt yeah. needed. Uh, also, I do. Um, I do love it. Like, yeah, you also see the uh, earlier scene where uh, O'Brien tries to escape and Bashir's with him, and then later on when he's got invested in the invested in the people, he doesn't want to go. And it kind of reminded me a bit. I recently watched the um, the Quickening, or am I thinking the Highlander film? Well, Highlander two. Yeah, no, there is yeah. an episode called Quickening. It, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, with the um, yeah, with the disease which is blighting yeah. people. I recently watched that. Funnily enough. And there's a lot of parallels, but it is a completely different episode from the fact that in this one, O'Brien's always trying to get them to escape, whereas the other one, they're all infected, and Dax chooses to leave, and Bashir yeah. just chooses to stay behind. So it's kind of interesting that there's a lot of parallels, but they are very different. Yeah, and there is a moment, though, when O'Brien kind of bonds with this other Jem'Hadar, and it yeah. seems like they're getting to understand each other, but then he's like, ah, I've got my secret. <laughs> I'm smart. <laughs> what well, doesn't it remind you of the balance of terror kind of like, um, yeah. kind of friendship, like frenemy kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Where they go, it's oh, like, you respect. know, in another world, we could have been friends. Yeah, respect. But we're not in that world. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, you do get like Garanagaz's command is eking away and he admits this to Bashir and. He shows that level of trust in Bashir that he's like, okay, well, I'll leave you here, and Bashir promises me won't try and escape. And it's, I suppose he doesn't have a lot of choice. Even if Bashir had said, well, I'm going to try and escape, he would have had to say, yeah, well, I've got to go and sort my men out anyway. So, oh, do what thank you, want. thank you for being honest. Bang, go. <laughs> You're right. I could have done that. But ultimately, the, the the confrontation comes to end when O'Brien chooses to destroy. Bashir's work, which, like, you can again totally understand where O'Brien's coming from. So he's like, I need to save my friend. So yeah. if you destroy it, he'll have to give up. And that's, yeah, that's where he's at. And it works, obviously. I, and, I think actually, if you, no one is really a bad guy. No, like, you know, the, no. the head of the Jemadar is trying to save his people. The Jemadar have just been tortured drug withdrawals. Because the one that left it. Yeah. And they're just just in the role of uh, drug addiction, so that makes you do crazy things. So you can't really yeah. like they're they're victims as much as anything. And then O'Brien and Bashir are both doing the right things that they see them, and both arguably are right. It's a kind of a wonderful yeah, thing when they manage to do that and get so much conflict. And Garanagar ultimately, like we said earlier, he was always going to let him go, but he even kills some of his own men so he can let them go. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He's a very tragic character, really, that he wants to kind of do all this great stuff, and he ends up even worse off than um, than he would have been if he did it, just left it all alone. You know, it's, yeah. I feel like he's accepted that already he and his men are dead at that stage, yeah. so there's no point in these guys dying. Like, he wants to give them honourable death in, like, you know, running through the trees trying to get him, you know, but it's like he realises... This one might just have to die now. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, no, nobody's really in the wrong, but there's no winners either in this. No, end. You no, know? That, that's how, ah, here you go, Strange New Worlds. This is how you do no one wins and do it satisfactorily. <laughs> <laughs>
And then we get the first of, I alluded to these last week, we get the first sort of Cisco Wharf scene where he's not really giving him a bollock in here, though he does a lot later in the But I think what must have happened in this scene is that Avery Brooks's script must have had the word grey in bold for some reason. It's almost Shatner-esque the way he does it. Like he says, you'll find that on DS9 there's shades of grey. I really like that actually because there's other scenes where I do feel there's other scenes where I do feel like he tuned me quite badly and like there's even a scene I'm going to mention this in Way of the Warrior where he's on the view screen to cast a yay and it's almost like she's taken lessons from him in dramatic poses that don't need to be there it's like everyone here is fine and it's just so weird it's such an Avery Brunner performance that she but um, this one I was kind of like thinking of his freedom jazz kind of style. And if you think about that when you're watching this, it plays rather nicely. He's just going, hey, there are shades of gray. <laughs> There's almost a rhythm to this scene. But there are some weird I absolutely agree. I'm not slurring it. It just comes across more Shatner-esque than he yeah. usually is. But he's one of them people, you've got Shatner, you've got Christopher, and you've got Avery Brooks, who just don't follow the rules of grammar or pronunciation. <laughs> Do the wrong thing, and it's all. And I will say there are other ones where he's just out and out fucking cheering the scenery. Just this oh, one's yeah, a jazz yeah. performance. <laughs> also, I like the fact that he's working his clock. Because the one thing yes. which I don't think they do enough of in DS9 and Void is add things to the ready room. So in, like, uh, in uh, Next Generation, um, Picard's room's always getting little trinkets added. And yeah. I think it shows a wonderful involvement. You yeah, this is what I nicked from that away, Mish. This is what I nicked from that away. Okay, he's a tea leaf. I didn't say it was But with Cisco, he's just got his clock and that's it. It's like, yeah, he's here and there. And the clock is a weird one to keep. It's like, I want a reminder of the time that an evil alien entity made us all go crazy and try and kill each other and I made a clock. Yeah, but it's like, that was a fucked up day, but it's a really nice fucking clock. I, I kind of want to get rid of it, but it's too that's, nice. That's another one with these is jazz performance because he, he goes like it's a clock that's full-on scenery chewing you've just illustrated my point perfectly <laughs> that is scenery chewing this is jazz this episode now the last scene in the episode this is one of my favorite scenes i think possibly in all of these this nine because again it's just how well they're portraying a friendship like you get this scene where bashir and o'brien talk about what's happened and they say oh i don't think we'll bother with darts today and Bashir has that final line where he says, maybe in a couple of days' time. And it's, again, a mature approach to the way relationships work to go, look, you're my best mate. You've done something that's really pissed me off, but that doesn't mean we're not friends anymore. It's just going to take a couple of days for me yeah. to cool Calm down. down. And it's just a lot of TV wouldn't do that. It'd be, mm. right, those two have fallen out now. That's the end of the O'Brien Bashir. Yeah. Just to add to the end of that as well, to me it was more also the reaction from O'Brien. You know, you were kind of waiting for him to go, yeah, maybe in a couple of that, but they don't do it. They just have him being stony. He gives a bit of a look towards what he said, but that's it. I don't think there's another show would be would be brave enough to have one of the characters still pissed off even in the episode. There's yeah. no like no, and we're back to normal. Everything's fine. He's still in that rage of what kind of yeah. like we should yeah. stick that's... with someone who's seen such battle in there. I think once he processes it, he be on the same page but he's yeah. not and i thought that was from choice but yeah the and just the maturity of the, the acknowledgement of the maturity of the relationship to go it'll be okay it just needs to sort itself out i just think that's brilliant and i don't it's think like you said this is the best little friendship yeah betrayed just... on television not just you... star trek or any yeah. Yeah. you just don't see it that often done this well um but yeah, so I love that ending. And maybe it's, it's a little, actually, it's, it's very well written for the fact that um, probably Bashir is the one needed, and like he'd be the one reaching out. Whereas, you know, Brian, if he's in the mood, he can be a bit prickly, you know, so yeah. he might not be the first to sort of admit it's all over and we're still but, friends. He might need yeah. a moment. I think the way it plays at the end, though, is that O'Brien, rightly or wrongly, is kind of shouldering all the guilt for it. And yeah. Even though he knows he did the right thing, it's almost like he's waiting for Bashir. But he's also disobeyed yeah. orders. Yeah. Because he says that to him that you could have me on charges. Yeah. Disobeying your orders. Maybe and, he wants to be up on charges. And, and uh, yeah, I think he's respecting the fact that 
the ball is in Bashir's court now. It's you know O'Brien still wants them to be friends and everything, but he's he's sitting back and going, it needs to come from you. The next steps, you know, I'll I'll wait until you tell me where you want this to go. And I, I just think it's so subtle and so nuanced. It's brilliant. Yeah. So should we move on to Starship Down then? Which always makes me think of Watership Down, but there's no rabbits in this, so <laughs> I think the title's just literal. There's a starship and it's down. Yep, yeah, it does exactly what it says in the title. Yeah, but it does make me think of the killer rabbits. But anyway, um, straight away though, you know, when we started this Dominion War coverage about ten years ago, before we got <laughs> new Star Trek shows. I mean, five of those years were just us trying to get around to Where of the Warrior. Exactly. <laughs> the, the first episode we covered was Rules of Acquisition, because it's the first ever mention of the Dominion. And the deal that Clark does in that episode ends up being with the Karama. And I love the fact that they bring that back here rather than just a random alien race. Yeah, it's random yeah. alien of the week. It's the same. Yeah, and James Cromwell. And James Cromwell, indeed, yeah. Uh, well, this has been... Before he did Babe and stuff, because you... Yeah, no, no, I, I seem to remember... Sorry, this is going on to the films. I remember when they were in uh, First Contact, Contact, it might take a bit. But First Contact, I remember them saying that they reached... I think it's like, well, he used to do Star Trek, but he's done all these huge films since. We'll never get him back, but let's ask anyway. And he just uh, bit the hand off. To be yeah, happy. well, that's uh, what I was going to say is, yeah, I bet... Now, if you wanted James Cromwell in in full alien makeup, you probably wouldn't be able to afford him on whatever the budget was at the time. But he, I mean, he's great, James. Well, whatever he oh, does. Oh yeah, uh, a big a film recommendation because it's also got Bernard Cribbins in it, uh, who's utterly charming as always. It's a film called Black Ball, which was a, a UK film. It has oh, um, Dennis Penis in it. Uh, Paul K, I think oh, it is. Yeah. I get my case yeah. mixed up. There's too many. But he's in there as this, um, like, out-of-control guy who just happens to like the game bowls because he learned it from his granddad. And then American producers try and make it huge sport. It's got Vince uh, Vaughn uh, oh, right. as the American promoter. It's got um, whatever his name, Little, uh, Joe Mangle from EastEnders. It's a really e eclectic cast, but it's so fucking, uh, I'd highly recommend it's really yeah. James Cromwell is the guy who was the expert of bowls who lords it over everyone in the club. Yeah, yeah. And then when it gets put on TV and everything, he gets very po-faced about it. And there's just a lovely scene where um because Bernard Cribbins, you know, has always been a fan of his his bowling and his you know, great work. He kind of challenges him on this, like, look, I've always been such a fan, you have to be such a dick offend. It, but he, he flowers up the language a little better than me. But uh, yeah. My favorite moment of James Cromwell ever was in American Horror Story Asylum. And there's a bit where he's propositioning a young lady. And he says something like, now bend over and show me your mossy bank. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I've never heard it called that before. But um, <laughs> Andy got him an Emmy nominated for that role in that show. But uh, that always stuck for some reason. Anyway. Um, so Quark's been scamming them because, of course, he has, because it's Quark. And Kira's fasting because it's the... Anniversary of the Emissary. I know how she feels. I know how she feels. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently on hour 44 of a fast, so you all just look like talking right now. So we, we, we must finish exactly on time today, otherwise <laughs> this way will be very, very hard. <laughs> Um, and the sets up the stuff that's going on with Cisco. So they're setting up a load of threads right from the start. But again, those pesky gem Hadar. And they turn up, they cause troll, and it leads us. We basically, oh. we're doing a variation on Wrath of Khan. Like, we're going I just, I just want to say again, this shows that it's the Federation who the aggressors here. Because the gem Hadar have turned up for the, or oh, what the aliens cup? The Karama. The Karama. Because they're dealing with the Federation, but they're not there to attack the Federation. They're dead with the Karama for disobeying Dominion rules. True, true. Rules. And all they do is fire a warning shot at the But the veer off and all of them just go after the Karama ship. Yeah, and then was... the Defiant gives chase, intercept them, and starts chasing them, destroy them. I guess it's the whole argument about uh, the liberating, you know, like it, it's it's kind of akin, if you like, to uh, yeah. the combined. Allied forces of America and the UK and other countries going to Afghanistan. 
they are a sovereign country, but people are kind of under oppression. And yeah. that would have negated a lot of the arguments that the Federation started it. If they had have played up the humanitarian angle of it, like we well, know play that up. Yeah, we no, know they don't. Which is strange. All, all we get to all we all we hear is that he's broken uh, he's gone against what the Union said. Dominion, Dominion have told them not to do Federation. Yeah. We haven't heard of any atrocities against them for it or anything. Uh, I think they were probably but we have we have heard previously that the um founders kill anyone who disagrees with them. Yeah, they've got very oppressive rules. It's been so published. People get disappeared, totally. Yeah, and don't. it's like it's not like they go, it's like, do you want to join us? No, no, okay, no, brilliant, we'll leave you be. <laughs> it's like they they it is a forceful regime in in the quarter. No, the Federation are in the right, ultimately, but they did kind of bring this on themselves. Uh, but it goes very Wrath of Khan because we have to basically make a radar, which I always enjoy it when they do stuff like this. And if you're going to crib from something, why not crib from Wrath of Khan? So and also a discovered country where they do the torpedo. Yes. Well, let's also throw into that the Poseidon adventure. Which effectively, yeah, you know, true, it's, yeah. it's a damaged ship trying to, you know, everyone's in yeah, there, little yeah. lobs trying to work their way through. Yeah, because the Jebedar do get the jump on them again and they end up everything going down. I love that Quark blames Rom for everything. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, see, I, see why, I see why we're having these problems. Rom works on your contract. Yeah. It's not me. My brother did it. Take it out of him. It's an and, again, and again, ironically, I was watching a later episode um, just where it was uh, where Rom's become an engineer and he's covering up for O'Brien. But, but O'Brien, like he says, it, O'Brien's got to have him taking the fall for him while he cushioned for the power race who've taken over of Keiko's body. But there's just uh, one line he goes, he goes, um, so I have to play the idiot and just stay here. And it's like, yeah, what I need you to do, he goes, it's all right. I'm Quark's brother. I know the, the part. And yeah. it's just so wonderful because it does have this conceit of like we've seen him as this idiot all the way and shows him got more. Unfortunately, they kind of underplay it later by having him being obsessed with what meals they have on different shifts. Which for me underplays the fact that you you were meant to be saying that he's not the idiot was supposed him to be. Then he's going, Oh no, this is the precursor of his choice in this shift. Kind of makes him look clown shoes again. But but they I love the the threads like this they got running I think through. That's the thing. I think Rom isn't an idiot, but he is a bit of a f- which yeah. But yeah, so anyway, Quack tries blaming him. Um, and it, he ends up getting a load of respect for the Caraba guy, like when he's talking about the lobes, and he's like, I tell you what, you're really good at this, so why don't we work together and con the Federation? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is just great stuff. I just love the fact that bonding moment. Uh, well, we got to the missile control. No, wherever. No, we've got we've got yeah. like the ball trapped around. We've got yeah, Bashir dies after Dax. And... Yeah, Dax and Bashir get trapped together in the in the bulkhead, and I think that leads to a really sort of sweet thing. And going back to talking about relationships, you know, obviously it's very different to Bashir and O'Brien, but the fact that they acknowledge that their relationship has changed and. He's no longer chasing after her being flirted. They're actually just friends now. Yeah. And the fact that Bashir is mature enough to discuss that shows how far he's come along since the start of the show. There's only one bit, which I think it's just in the time I'm watching, not to do with the writing being thing. But there was this bit where she, he goes, oh, you enjoyed it. Well, I don't have to do it anymore. You enjoy it. And it's, there's a little thing just in current times, news stories which are rife at the moment, which does make me think it's like, oh, so... It, it, it sort of just feels a little bit like, uh, oh, so women really enjoy it. There, there's just a, a slight dissonance of that which kind of I mean, stuck into my thinking. I don't think it overly says that, but it I just felt less comfortable given current climate. Yeah, I mean, if you take it to be a, a statement on women in general, but knowing the character of Dax, it is very in character for Dax. Oh, it is. I, I, so... I just but wonder yeah. at the moment with with the current stuff, which just I keeps on coming out. Uh, yeah, it. it could I think be. if you were wearing it today, you probably would have saying that that when you thought. Yes, probably. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's it's meant as a generalized thing. But but Not yeah, at all. I do take you. Just makes you think of uh, like yeah, the male attitude nineties versus today. It, it would have been played differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Cisco has his clever idea, let's make the probes into weapons, and that's the bit, like you say, Elliot, that's very Star Trek 6. Yeah. 
and they do manage to take out one of the ships, but it ends up with Cisco getting concussed, and Kira's now got to talk to him, and she's got to kind of confront. It is very much really about redefining relationships this episode, because you get that with Dax and Bashir, but you also get it with Cisco and Kira that that you have this open acknowledgement of, hang on, well, you're a religious yeah. figure to me, so it's... Yeah, she needs to talk to him, she starts talking about duty rosters and goes, what am I doing? No, that's all we ever talk about, though. Yeah. We ever yeah. talk about work. If, if anything, I think they should have played this more in the series, really. You know, they do mention it, but, like, this is the most they really talk about the fact that, like you say, she, he's a religious leader to her, mm. but he's also... He's also her captain and her friend. You know, it's like that's such a complex relationship. I think you could have got that, really. And you could have done. I mean, they did kind of touch on it here and there, but yeah, it's never. Yeah. Well, it's all like she's always just another officer mm. on there. She's never been part of his social survey. I mean, you that's could even turn on the head. Work up till then with the. Because, like, later on when he starts going on, basically on missions for the prophets, you know, he's perfectly going on missions based on visions he had. It would have been really lovely to have her along on one of those missions, maybe him questioning it and her going, it's like, no, this, this is what you meant. You've been sent these things and maybe steering his course yeah. towards the profits. I just think you could have just chucked into a few more episodes, just here and there, just a bit of seasoning, not every episode. But, you yeah, know. you definitely. Um, so I like that she's... You've got uh, engineering, engineering uh, or Brian turns around to his other engineers and they go, we can't contact the bridge. And he goes... I don't think there is a bridge. I don't think yeah, there's a Yeah, nihilistic from O'Brien. Like, no, don't worry, O'Brien. This is just a mid-season episode. <laughs> <laughs> guarantee you that everyone on the bridge is okay. <laughs> I mean, it's also like well, he later on... To... Blue red shirt. Yeah. I mean, he tells off war for being too harsh on the, on the guys. You've just told them everyone's dead up there. That's hardly a morale boost. No, but uh, <laughs> I like that, Mo. I like that with how he... Tells Wolf that look, these are staff, these are yeah. that's, um, Starfleet. That's an interesting implication that it this seems to imply that the majority of engineers in Starfleet are non commissioned, like O'Brien is, yeah. has never been really dealt with before. And it's certainly not the case with someone like Geordie or Scotty. Oh. Or, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing, the only thing we really know about non-commissioned officers, they have a different amount of tips every series. That's the only thing that deny every, every performance they give. Until, like, uh, by this point in DS9, I don't know when exactly they bring it in, but they, they do have a completely different design of pip for O'Brien, so... Yeah, he's got yeah. a little, looks like a little bug. <laughs> yes, he was always... But, to be fair, it makes sense, like, the Academy is at San Francisco, but if you look at the size of the Federation and how many ships, it can't possibly be putting out a knuckle from that academy. Yeah, I've, just I for think... the ships, let alone all the stations and the bases yeah. on planets, etc. I think the implication is, you know, you you get people like Rios in Picard. I know he started in Starfleet, but then he, and then he came back. But in the middle, you do get people who run their own ships and do their own thing. And I think the implication is, if you're good. With engines, you can get a job at Starfleet. They yeah. need engines, and presumably, as long as you don't want to go down the officer path, yeah, and I think that's what it is. Just... Uh, if you look at like normal armies, they're not full of officers. Most of them are non-commissioned. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think if anything in the future, I would hope that non-commissioned officers are treated on a par with commission because yeah, there's no reason still, why with a little extra still progress. Yeah, I don't see why not if they're doing the same job, which they do in non-commissioned officers. Yeah. I think you can. I think you'd probably have to take, like, like you had Deanna taking that commander's exam. There's probably something like that that you have to take. To... As I understand from conversation of a friend of mine in the army, which was years ago, so Dustball, I'm sure he was right, but my memory, may... he seemed to suggest that there was a lot of extra exams and extra coming in. Yeah, Essentially, to the point where it's not worth it for a lot of not. Maybe so. And then, you know, I think O'Brien is the only explicitly non-commissioned officer we've ever had in Star Trek, so we're probably never going to get... Uh... I, I think my only problem with the scene was really, it was just how quickly after... I, and I know it's a time constraint, but it's how quickly they go. he goes like, right, okay, well, here's a problem you could solve maybe, and they go, what about this? What about this? Solved! Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe give him a yeah. scene to come back with an answer. Jeez, like, I know they're good, but it's sort of like a bit too magic. It's too magic, cutesy, that scene, isn't it? It's like, I yeah. like that. 
Oh, they're it, finishing each other's sentences. It's retarded, a bit but I too. Like it that as soon as Worf doesn't push them, these yeah. guys can sort it out. And if yeah, you, if you ride so them, right, give them the job to do. And I do. know. It just got a yeah. bit cutie when they're finishing off each other's sentences. It's just a bit meh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you. So it's like, oh, this is really brittle. It's very, it's very cheesy, but I like it. I don't like it, but... I just want to spread it over two scenes where you've got yeah. them, like, and give the problem, they're going, great, we can get that uh, done, and they go to do it, and then they explain what they've done after because they problem-solved it. Well, that's what problem-solving is. Problem-solving isn't being given a problem, then going, this is the answer. It's workshopping through it. Yeah, no. real... yeah, it wasn't much well, of a exactly, problem, yeah. was it? It was just like, we want it to do this, that's how we do it, off we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's almost like, well, why didn't you think of that, lads, if it's that easy? Anyway, um, Cisco and Kira then, so she tells this story. I wanted to know what the outcome of that. I know we only got bits of it, but I feel like we should have been told the outcome of this. Oh, we do, because they, they oh, end up going back to the farm where they belonged. You're right. Just we that, don't know what that means. They do tell, yeah, they tell all the stuff that's causing all of this. But I like that it's framed as almost like a traditional um, fairy story. It sounds like an Aesop's fable kind of thing, doesn't it? Like you've got these three brothers, one of them's too greedy, and one of them's too this, and one of them's too that, and yeah. the answer's somewhere in the middle. You know, I like this idea that all cultures have their own variations on these stories, and Kira awesome. has to go it. It also makes to who Cisco is, because you get the feeling he's the guy who likes, he's the guy until Anson Mount as Pike, he was the one who'd most want to go for a pint with probably uh, yeah. out of the captain. He was the bit more sociable. He would hang out with him on his free time. There was that kind of ebb and flow. And I think the station setting allowed for it a bit more because it is a less, you know, a less formal setting in some ways. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's got a different vibe to it. Um, so I, I, I think... You feel for Kira that you'd want to impress this guy. You'd want him uh, to uh, want to be your friend as well as your captain. And the other thing on top of that is, yes, she wants to be his friend. He is a captain, but he's also like the Pope. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, she has like thing. Yeah, there's a lot of barriers to them being able to be friends. Like you can you can see that. I don't think from Cisco's point, I don't think he thinks about it, but she has to hold him in that level of reverence. Yeah. You know. and, it, and it embarrasses him when she when she does do that in front. That yeah. she's reverent. To him. Yeah, he's yeah. had to not be like that in front of him. Isn't it? And, and it's it's a lovely way for him to find out without him essentially being anyway looking like a dicker. because it's yeah. like he he hasn't purposely pushed her away, but she's he's end up pushing her away with the little baby with bathwater, and yeah. he gets to realize it in a nice way. And then they don't have to have a big heavy conversation about it after he just rectifies it he just goes to the solution yeah which as with everything is you go and watch a baseball game so there we go and he goes uh yeah ask, ask uh quack about the hot dogs don't ask what's in them though trust me yeah, you really don't want to know <laughs> replicated hot dogs are probably so much better than real hot dogs well it's probably got more natural i like hot dogs i like i like hot. i like the thin hot dogs you know the cheap know, ones. yeah well, yeah straight from the tin i don't bother eating them up i just oh you don't straight out the tin Aldi, you can get um, vegan versions of them, and they taste exactly the same because, like them, there's no meat in. Them. That's true, actually. <laughs> just less testicles ones. Yeah, a vegan hot dog is just a hot dog, really. There's no, yeah. yeah. Um, I do like that Kira at one point prays for Cisco because, like we've said, she's aware of how uncomfortable this all makes him. But she's like, well, hang on, one of the major figures in my religion is dying, and I need to shoot a prayer out there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Well, it's also like I'm trying not to be this. However, this is who I have to... This yeah. is the only way I know to care for yeah. you, is to pray for you. I didn't even think about it in terms of him being the Pope. But I just thought it was like, this is what she knows to do when someone's yeah. who she cares about is in danger. Um, but you're totally right. That You could totally see it that way as well. Uh, it was just really nice of like... I've always seen it the way yeah. James has that. Yeah. She, yeah, which, yeah. She says a prayer, and she knows he won't like the fact that she's saying a prayer, but she can't help it because yeah. of that. Oh, no, I agree with that. I meant the thing. I, I wasn't thinking about the, the fact of him being effectively her pipe. Yeah. I was just thinking of it. It's right. what she knows to do when someone's in harm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really nice. Uh, so then Quack and the Torpedo. I think this is all really good fun. Uh, I love the wrinkle that it adds to it, though, actually, we sold them a little like, well, <laughs> It's it's so, yeah, well, his it's whole point has been is that they're really honest and yeah, a, a fair, a fair days, a fair wage for a fair day's work and yeah. 
Yeah, should I have for the Marie a reasonable fund? profit. You don't rip anyone off. Do it's right. You know what? It's can, like, we the, oh. can we put the caramel in charge of the utility companies? That. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's also the fact that at the end of it, when they do have the, yeah, it's when the missile comes through and we offer them a refund. Yeah. And then they go into, uh, that's hilarious, look, but then they go into Star Trek laughing for the next three or four yeah. lines, which I've, I've sort of started really what, looking out for because there was an end episode where, um, uh, and when I recently watched, where Dwarf end up just laughing to the camera for half a minute, like at the end of the episode to, to just a minute. And this one kind of almost goes into that before Bart goes, hey, but he isn't looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> but it brings these two together. Oh yeah, no, I think it, the, the first laugh was the there. Canonar down to Quark's level yes. a bit. <laughs> That's what's amazing just look... that. Because normally you have, like with Star Trek stories, it's bringing people up to your level. This is like, he's find a common ground because he brings him down to yeah, you're right there, yeah. actually. That is the opposite of what Star <laughs> Trek usually is like. Yeah, come down and play in them with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, I, I think Quark's, you know, game back, Quark does make you really think about, well, how much should we hate, like how much should he be hated upon? Some stuff he does is out and out bad, but it's like other stuff, it's just human kind of in a funny way. And again, it's because it is their culture, it's hard to judge them for it. Like in our society, we make allowances for behavior that we might consider unusual because it's someone else's culture. So you'd have to be like that to an extent with the Ferengi and go, well, okay, he's tried to rip you off, but that. That is literally That's their culture. <laughs> uh, I know there's got to be a point where it stops, and that point should be where it causes someone harm. But does Quack cause them harm? Because at the end of the day, if you if you go in willingly to whatever deal he's offering you, well, then... has he caused any harm? He charged an extra four percent to look out for shapeshift. That's an important security job to the Alpha yes, Quadrant. Did he look out for shapeshift? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's probably put Odo down on his bill. It was like, yeah, that's how we look after <laughs> shapeshifters away by Odo. I can't remember what the other 6% was for. Probably a handling fee or something. The, the Federation yeah. will be checking for shapeshifters for free. And yes. But Mark has decided to charge for it. And that's what I mean. I bet everything is itemised, which he's put how yeah. they do it is someone else doing it. Just yeah, and he won't be passing the profit on to the Federation. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, he introduces the concept of gambling, and this is the thing about we've got to defuse the torpedo and everything, uh, which ultimately quite makes the right call, and it doesn't blow up, which is... But, which I think we could guess it was good to be. Yeah, you have to have that tension. But yeah, it's still good though. And it's, it's, I love how quickly Quark does it. And it does show that Quark is actually quite brave at times. You know, he could have, they could have left it up the chances on someone else fixing it. But Quark's like, realizes, no, something's got to be done with it. And yeah, this could go off any minute. And it doesn't look like anyone's coming to us any minute. <laughs> Yeah, and he has things to do it. So Quark does a lot of laudable as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I like Quark as a character. I think I think it was a really good decision of oh, yeah. to put a Ferengi in there. Yeah. And as a bar, bar order, it's the perfect role for a Ferengi. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and getting back to the point before, it's like for everything he does to sort of like... He's a very good bar. He does keep the uh, spirit alive on yeah. the uh, on the space station. He, he like, you know, at the beginning, he's made a community and he kind of lived up to that role very well. I forget which episode it is, but there's one where, oh, it's one where O'Brien's got a dilemma, which could be a lot of them. <laughs> and Quark gives him some advice and O'Brien says, thanks, Barkeep. And then Quark walks up to Mom and he goes, so what's bothering you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they even have I, the I know which epi- I know what you mean and I can't think of Oh, it's a captive pursuit, isn't it? Is it that yes. Because Quark yes. changed the rules, and O'Brien goes, change the rules, of course, thanks, Barkey. <laughs> yes, and those light bulb moments. There's even, like, um, uh, with Quark, when he's, like, uh, loses everything from the bar, and then uh, they're basically giving him, so they're saying, it's like, oh, we need to store these uh, tables and chairs somewhere. Do you mind, Quark? Oh, and he yeah. goes, I'll have to charge you a storage fee. It's like, <laughs> yeah. and Cisco gives him a look for a second and goes, 
a minimal one, a minimal one. He goes, Go yeah. ahead, guys. And it's <laughs> almost that says everything about the character. It's like, yeah. as long as you know he'll try and con you, it, it and will you accept try make it. a profit out of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it as long as you make accept a profit out the fact that you are giving it to help well, out. To be fair, and, that episode you're talking about, he's been sort of excommunicated from Ferengi society, so he needs profit more than ever at that yeah. stage. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like that feeling of like, if you give him a small percentage like of leeway, both when it comes to making it, and also when when it comes, he will give dividends and what he gives back to the station. And yeah. I think that scene says everything you need to know. Just that one moment between him and Cisco says everything you need to know about Quark and how Cisco deals with him and how the Federation yeah. deals with him. There's another great bit with Cisco where um, I think it's early season two, and um, Quark says, "Look, Captain or Commander, you begged me to stay here." And Cisco says, "I didn't beg you. I blackmailed you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> No. Anyway, yeah, we don't. So, Worf is the day. Everybody's happy at the end. And Dax saves Bashir from Morn, who, as we know, will talk the hind legs off a donkey, even though we <laughs> never see it. So, Although, yeah, the thing I was thinking... we have a, lo- a lovely end scene there in Cisco. Yeah. Can where I just jump into the darts first? Yeah. I mentioned the darts while we're there. I just love the fact that he sat there. Obviously, he's been cornered by Morn. Half an hour, whatever time. it's been. And then you've got uh, Dax comes up, hey, it's your your thing and darts. Like, oh, yeah, I was just sitting here for half an hour until my turn came up. If you think about it even for a second, it's yeah. like, <laughs> the excuse doesn't make any sense. Unless it's a fast. really big game of darts, like literally everyone goes up and throws. So everyone, everyone in the darts. station gets his three their three darts. <laughs> everybody playing this game of darts. <laughs> well, maybe they're playing winner stairs. I think it's third to go oh. up. You know what it is? It's bullseye. It's bullseye. Somebody else, Bashir got knocked out in the early round, but they've chosen not to gamble. So Bashir gets to come back and see if he can. (laughs) I like your plot flanges, guys. I will buy them. (laughs) Right then. I think we can leave it there for this week. But next week, we're going to be talking about another two parter, Hunt Paradise Lost, um, as the Dominion War takes another turn. So that's going to be great fun. Um, if you want to get into those, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, on YouTube. We've got the videos of all, well, since we started doing the, the live streaming are on there. Elliot's Retrek Model Studios on there. And Dr. Sweet, tell us a bit about Squeefest. Oh, I was just wondering, we've already got banners for this stuff, which we should start. There we go. We, we need to put those on the screen when we're I'm just saying. They just fired yeah. it all off too fast. It's he did. Bad. I was like, yeah. So we're going to have to use those in the future. Sorry, anyway. Oh, uh, yes, uh, Squeefest. Squeefest, you say. Uh, it's Squeefest 4 coming your way on the 10th and 11th of September from um, 2 p.m. till 2 p.m. That's Saturday till Sunday. Uh, I have got a couple of announcements we made earlier on this. First of all, our first ni- announcement, wonderful Ian McNeese. I actually mentioned Blackpool, which does appear in, funnily enough. But um, he's probably best known as Churchill from Dog 2 or from uh, Doc Martin, which is charming in as well. Great actor. He's one of these people who's been in absolutely anything you care to mention, including recently Sandman, which he appears in. Um, and also, I announced a couple of podcasts. First of all, NetHeads with a guy called Will Will. All your latest geek views and a bit of tech in from there as well. And one, which I don't know how I got them, but these guys called Retrek Podcast. I, yeah. I look, the two main guy, the two main hosts seem really good. There's some twat who seems to have ingratiated themselves onto there. But apart from that, the two main guys are great. And there's a dog which pops up every now and then, which is studiously quiet tonight after she credits. I think she's gone back to a trailer. The credits, she's uh, disappointed if you want. She's got a big head. She's gone back to a trailer in disgust. It's like, oh, I will be back from my scene. Yeah, that's um, but yeah, we've got loads of uh, really exciting guest announcements to come up, including one stuff, which I'm just going to uh, yeah. I'll tell you about it after I've already... I know who it is, and I'm way. very excited, and we're staying up till it's the early in... hours Saturday morning to watch that. It's sort <laughs> of in the vein of previous years where I've had a couple of uh, stars from the show. I've kind of more moving. So last year we had the wonderful FX expert um, from B-more. Yeah. And maybe we've got another uh, wonderful behind-the-scenes person who's worked on... Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Well, we'll look forward to that one. Keep an eye on the socials for Dr. Squee, and you'll find out all about that. Yeah, they'll be on our pages and our socials as well. Yeah, and you know what? Next week, we'll announce what we're going to talk about at Squee Fest. Yes. It should be good fun. Oh, we better decide. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll be keen to hear this. <laughs> Making it sound like we had it planned out. <laughs> 
attention, not that we're useless. And oh, dumb. we're pretending we know what we're doing. Yes. I didn't, didn't tell me that. No. I didn't have to give the signal. It's, it's not, though, that we haven't thought about it. It's just because there's so many great options. Like, there's this there's Star Trek. There's some stuff by Star Trek. There's so much yeah. to think about. Lots of what we could do. Devil's Revenge 2. Oh, no, they didn't make a devil. Yet. Um, yet. Anyway, thank you for <laughs> with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye-bye. For the good of the Dominion. Fascinating.